So Romans chapter 12, let's read there this morning God's word. And uh, it is all about serving God as living sacrifices and therefore serving one another as God's people being saved by grace. Read uh, chapter 12 verses 1 to 16 uh, first and then if you keep the Bibles open we'll come back to chapter 13. Romans 12 verse 1 and the uh, topic of our sermon this morning is serving one another as members of one body. Serving one another as members of one body. And I've got a subheading there, practical Christianity. Verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed By the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we are many, uh, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. And if a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in the proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. It is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern Diligently, If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with the people of low position. Do not be conceited. Only three verses from Romans chapter 13. 
verses 8, 9, and 10. Let no debt remain outstanding except continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not harm, it does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. May the Lord help us to understand his word today. And to his name be glory and honor and praise. Serving one another as members of one body and the subheading practical Christianity. When we look at uh, Romans chapter 12 and uh, read the first three verses, that gives us the, the foundation for what follows in this chapter. Therefore, Paul is now summing up all the things that he um, wrote about in Romans up to this point. And now he says, therefore, because of all these things, that we were born in sin, that we were sinful, and none of us uh, would be righteous, according to chapter 1, 2, and 3, that the grace of God came to us like it came to, to Abraham, that we read about in chapter 4. That is fulfilled in Christ, chapter 5. Therefore, he says, our bodies should be now, um, we should give our bodies for the service of God. Chapter 8 talks about the, the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit was given to us. Chapter 9 to 11 talks about God's faithfulness, his covenantal faithfulness, faithfulness, and his, his, his love that's forever lasting. And all these things, and then he comes to chapter 12 and he says, Therefore, I urge you, in the view of God's mercy, you see he looks back now, in the view of God's mercy, to offer yourself as living sacrifices. It's not like in the Old Testament where they had sacrifices on the altar where they killed the, 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 the bulls and, and, and uh, the goats and, and, and the lambs. Now you are a living sacrifice. You give your life to the Lord. And because you are now, as he said, you have been renewed in your mind. You're not like you were before you became a Christian. Now that you've become a Christian, you cannot live according to the pattern of the world. Christians do not act as this world. They've got a new ruler. And that he, that he talks about in Romans chapter 6. And now, how then, how then do we live as living sacrifices in the Lord? Now, uh, over the last so many weeks, we have looked at the gifts that God has given to his church. And of course, in 
in, in, in verse 3 through to, to 8, it, it spells that out once again. It says that we cannot think of ourselves more than we think that we should. You know, we, we should look at the fact that we are members of the same body and that we are there to help one another. And he uses this expression when he says, you belong to others. And that, that is an enormous statement. Uh, sometimes when I go out on patrol and people introduce themselves, you hear that some of the elderly people use this expression uh, when they introduce me to their wives or the wife introduced me to, the, to their husbands, they use this expression, I belong to him. And, and that, that means that, well, I've got no rights of my own and the good thing is that she doesn't have rights of herself too. We've given, we are given to one another. We are there to serve one another. And when when you say and when I say we are members of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, what we say is we belong to one another. Just think about that statement. Just, just think for a while that this body cannot move along as individual members. This body can only move along when we belong to one another. Um, and and it's, it, 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 it keeps amazing me that when I itch somewhere, I don't, need my th- I don't need to tell my finger to go to the place where it's itching. It does just go there, and it does what needs to be done. You know, it, it is, it's amazing. You, you don't need to tell your finger, are you in the mood to help me today? I've got a bit of a problem on my back. And your finger says no. You've got nine others you could ask. But that's not how it works. The, the members of the body belongs to the body. And the body is not a body unless it's got all the members there. And therefore he spells it out. And I'm not going to repeat myself on that one um, because we've looked at that. God has given some of us, some can preach and some Verse 6, it says, some, some different gifts according to the grace given us. Some can prophesy and do that. We should do that according to the proportion of the faith God has given us. Some serve, some encourage, some contribute to the needs of others. And, and, and some have leadership and, and others are showing mercy. These things are put together in proportion so that we don't have... Too many of one, and we lack in another field. When God puts his body together, he does it in proportion so that we don't have ten feet and no legs. He puts us together in a perfect way. And so he has called you and me as members of the church of his body and Koran. Now, we have to apply that in a, what I would like to call a micro uh, environment and also a macro environment. In the, in the micro environment, we'd like to say that nothing lacks in this church to make this church operate as a local church. At this stage, 
we'd say, yeah, we, we would like to have other things. We'd like to have more of this or we'd like to have... But at the moment, for God's glory, he's given us what we need to operate as a body. But when we look at the macro, the big picture of the church, this church contributes in as, once again, as a member of the big body so that the big body of the church worldwide can operate as God's church. And here we sit in the corner of the world and we ask ourselves, what is it that we can do to contribute to the worldwide task of the church? And if we don't have that vision of the work of the church beyond the boundaries of this church, we've got a big problem. Because there are bits and pieces that we can bring to this puzzle to make the big picture complete. Now, last week after we've done... We went through, I think it was about eight or weeks, that we talked about the gifts of the Spirit in the church. I promised you that I will, become, I will come to you today with what I think is a workable model from the Bible as to how each one of us can be practically involved without necessarily break our necks. That, that's, not the, that's not how God wanted it. God wanted it that you only need to do your little bit and eventually you get this whole mechanism called the church moving. And it moves not in a, necessarily in a wave or a tsunami. It's just like yeast. It works and it works and it grows and it influences the world around us. And it picks up momentum as God would bless that. So... If we would like to have an impact on the furthest point without the work of God on on the face of the earth, then we don't begin there. We begin here. We want an impact on, let's say, how the gospel can can, uh, have effect in countries where the gospel has not been heard. We would like to think, yeah, what we need to do is now mobilize people, put money in their pocket, put them on the plane and go there. No, it's not necessarily how it works. How it works is that the church locally do their thing and eventually we'd be, we'd be spilling over in terms of our spiritual maturity and service in the Lord. And, uh, and that's how it works. We need to be like yeast. We need to be uh, uh, working to the glory of the Father. We need to be healthy here. If we're not healthy here, we cannot export what is un- unhealthy beyond our, beyond our boundaries. You, you, you get that? You understand that as I understand it? So when I say this, I don't want to leave the impression that I think that you are not doing something. It might be that you're not doing enough, and that is up to the Lord to convince you about how you can do more. But I'm not saying that you're not doing enough. But what I think, sometimes you need to do the right thing. Okay? Sometimes then you need to work out that I'm doing the right thing the right way. And once you worked it out that I'm doing the right thing the right way, you have to say that I'm doing the right thing the right way at the right time. Or you might say that I need to do the right thing the right way the right time 
according to the right principles. Best way to do that. So let's look at a few practical fields. My, my, I'm not exhaustive in this, and I don't claim to be exhaustive. I think that we can have what I would like to refer to as uh, circles, one bigger than the other. This, the nucleus, the smallest circle within, within our work would be the body of the Lord here. Okay, we first of all focus here. We need to be nurtured in our fellowship. We need to care for one another and we need to put practical things in place so that we actually care for one another. We need to grow in our Lord. We need to grow in our service. We need to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. We need to grow in our obedience to the Holy Spirit. We need to grow to the glory of the Father. Now, my, my plan and idea is this, and I think I can base it on the Bible. And if I don't, put your hand up. Okay? We need to think about these things. So today, as you sit there and listen to the, 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 the uh, sermon, you involve yourself. Okay? You listen to... You look at the church and you, and you look for a, for, a, for a vacant spot somewhere where you can say, well, that's me. I'll, I'll do that. And you'll, you'll find out that it's not necessarily big things. I think that we should have um, th- these three fields, like what I would call, first of all, nurturing, then a wider field, which I would like to think is evangelism, where we look at not the furthest fences of the world, but we just look at what's going on around us, and then maybe a wider circle even, and that's mission. So let's look at the, at the narrow circle, and we say, we talk about nurture and fellowship. Now, if you look at what the Bible says there in Romans chapter 12, it talks about the fact that we as members of the body belong to one another, And that verse 9 says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, Uh, never lacking in zeal, Keep keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. All these things come to play there. Pray together, it says there, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. It looks at, first of all, that narrow circle. So I think that it might be a good idea if we have as a leader in this group that we may call fellowship and uh, nurturing an elder who uh, comes from session and reports back to session on a regular basis. Now you know that the session is actually the group of elders coming together to have oversight over the work of the church and to give direction in the work of the church. But the session is not the church, and everything that happens within the body of the church, although under the authority of session, is not necessarily things that the session alone can do. Session only oversees the activities. So we need input from the church. Okay, Still sit there and wonder, where is it that I can put my hand up? 
And therefore, if we have this, we need to identify and develop and also utilize the God-given gifts and talents of every member of the congregation. We might call it stewardship. Stewardship is not about money. Stewardship is all about, yeah, including money, but it is all about time and talents that we give to the Lord. And therefore, we need to direct these gifts and talents so that the congregation, as the body of the Lord, will build one another up in their most holy faith. And we need to develop ways for the church to constantly achieve the goals of spiritual maturity. And you'd like to say, well, well, that's the job of the elders. Yeah, well, it is the job of the elders. But we would like to think that an elder responsible for this would need you. How does, it, how does it happen? If we look at the fields of service, first of all, I think families. Families are important. They are the nucleus of the covenant of the Lord. And therefore, we need to work in ways to assist parents in their roles as covenant partners under God to raise and equip their children to become mature members of the household of God. What have we just said here? We're looking at people who can assist their parents in a way that they can be better parents. Um, We talk about marriage partners in the Lord to enrich their relationship in the Lord as covenant partners under the Lord. How can you help? Am I asking for you to put a, a marriage counseling course up and invite others? No, not necessarily. But what you can do is look at the, first of all, first of all, to look at our members list. And every day, tick off a name or two to say that these people I will pray for. Okay? Is that hard? No, it's not hard. But because it's not that hard, we can easily forget to do so, isn't it? We've got a a list there, a members list. If you don't have one, I'll print out another one for you. But you take that and you say, well, for these people, I'll pray. For three families or two families per, per day, and I'll go in a, in a uh, uh, cycle through to preach for them, uh, to pray for them. I'll keep them in my mind. But you might also hear of people who are really good in, in providing family and marriage counseling that we don't know about. You go to the elder responsible and you say, well, I know this. I've read a book that I can really recommend and uh, we, we need to build up the family of the Lord. Um, that, is, that, that is a practical field that you can be involved in. That's only in family, in, 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 in family uh, life. We're talking about further Sunday school. We're talking about, you know what is a wonderful thing? But it's an absolute wonderful thing if one of our elderly people, or not necessarily the elderly, but I mean the mature, age mature people, if you take one child and that you say, every Sunday when I see that child at church, I'll make time to talk to him or her. I would like to be a model for that child. And just... Ask him or her, how are things going at school? You know what enormous impact you would have 
on a child if he or she knows that someone else know, knows and cares about for them. So think of these things. I'm not going to spell out each possibility there, but I just want you to say, let's care for one another. When we talk about the family of the Lord, uh, not uh, families as we talk about nucleus groups, but as family of the Lord, I think we should make it our business that every member and visitor to the congregation must be helped to know that they are loved and valued as brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's basic. That's basic. Each member and visitor to the congregation must be made welcome at the home within the church, beginning with visits to the worship services. Sometimes people show and they come and visit us and we, can't, we don't follow that up with, a, with, with just a bit of care and who are you from, where are you from and how can we help and, and, and these things. Each member of the congregation should be given the opportunity to know and to know and to be known by each other member of the church. It's not a problem here so much, but you wouldn't believe that we, uh, in Townsville, where I come from, where it's a bigger church, and for some reasons, some people always went and they sat on that side of the church, and some people always sat on this side of the church. And they worshiped together, and sometimes it's more than 20 years. And then we found out that those sitting on that side of the church, some of them wouldn't know, wouldn't know the names of others sitting on that side of the church. It happens. Make it your business to find out where are people at without being nosy, of course. That, that's not right either. Um, these are the things that we need to do. And I would like to think, I mean, that's only basic. What about hospitality? It says there in the Bible, practice hospitality. And this word hospitality means to really care for others. It's nothing wrong to invite someone just for lunch one day. Or whatever the case may be. Just say, come and eat with us. You know that how many things the Lord Jesus did. Just go through the Gospels again. How many things the Lord Jesus did around a table. It's important that we practice hospitality. In this day and age where we have um, gotten used to this idea of privacy laws, it is just not on in the church. We need one another. If you see someone that uh, worships here regularly, missing or skipping to, let's say, uh, Sundays, it's our business to find out how they are and what's gone wrong. Just find out. Can I bring you a meal? Uh, are you sick? Can I care for you? With the help of others, we need to identify that gifts that others have that I don't have and organize and direct the members to become more and more active in the work of the church, remembering that other people in other groups may be, might be missing people who can do what we want to do and need to do. What about acquiring the birthday dates and other dates of members and then give them cards? I think that is important. 
Maybe there's an anniversary of, uh, of the loss of a loved one. It's always a, it's a big day in one's life. And if that day you can receive a card from someone to say, I know this is a difficult time for you, I pray for you. Or a telephone call. Visitation. We need to keep track of the sick, the bereaved, and those, and, and, and people don't like this term, but um, it's a term used in the literature, and it's called the shut-ins. And one lady said to me, don't call me a shut-in, I'm not in a jail. But uh, you, we know what it means. You, lo- you lose your mobility. You can't, you can't regularly go somewhere. We need to care for these people. They are the needy. We have to identify methods to do the follow-up where necessary. We we need to to constantly look for people who can help. I've got this in my mind, to think that there are people there, if our church, who sometimes just cannot come out in the cold, and they miss in worship services. Is it impossible for us? We've got recordings made of the gospel as we preach it. Is it impossible for you to perhaps go and take a recording on a CD and just sit with the people, make it your business to go in the week and say you missed on worship, but I'll I'll play for you the sermon of last week and I'll pray for you then. Or, Or in the hospital when that happens. And then practical needs. Uh... I find that too, 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 too easy, too easily, we fall back on government agencies to help us. But the, the practical work of, let's say, lawn mowing, when uh, our, if I can say, close to our family, when, when our daughter lost a husband last year, um, on a very regular basis, her lawn was cared for. Her car was washed. Um, just practical things. For six weeks, she never cooked a meal. It was from the church people. They were there to care for her in a very, very uh, practical way. Do we really care for one another? You see, that's the point. Have, have, I, have I put something in your mind, maybe, that you say, well, here I can... I don't expect of you to go and push a lawnmower if you can't. But if you can, go out of your way and do that. Or maybe just take someone to, for a shopping. Or someone who, who you know would appreciate a cup of coffee. And share with people your practical hospitality. Praise. We need to pray for one another. And there might be something that you know that other people will not talk about. They will not share with the wider public needs in their life. But you know about that and you might pray for them. And also, without being too specific, ask others to pray. We've got responsibilities and worship services. There's the recording of the services. Uh, We might even think of having pre-worship singing we, we, we know of the ladies doing flower arrangement. There's a roster for that. There's a roster for morning tea. People help one another. We get things going. We get it, keep, the, 
keep the activities up. What about an, an, an annual congregational picnic? You grew up with congregational picnics and Sunday school picnics and all these. Wouldn't it be wrong for us to have one day and have a congregational picnic? What about an annual congregational family retreat? That'd be nice. What about um, other events of, let's say, Bible quiz nights? What about a family meal together, all of us together, or other things that we can build one another up in the Lord? Just enjoy one another's company. What about correspondence? Sometimes John is... uh, is just overwhelmed with the, the correspondence coming in about this and that and the other. And sometimes, well, most of the cases, what we do is we actually chuck it in the bin because it's just too much. It's about this organization and that organization and all this. And you might like to take some of that and read through it and say, well, this is a good cause, or forget about this, it's not, it's not the best. And, and in this way, get involved. Talked about Sunday school and then... I would like to think there would be one major event per year uh, to highlight the scope and the necessity of nurture of the church. Now we go to evangelism, and along the same line, we have to say that each member in the congregation must know and understand that we as a church of the Lord Jesus Christ are bound by the Great Commission. We need to understand what the Great Commission is about. We need to understand that we have to make an, an, an immediate uh, impact on the environment in Kerrang, at least. We are not only the building up in 76 Victoria Street. We need to be known as the people who use Victoria Street number 76 as the basis for their strategy of working into this community. That's what we need to do. Therefore, we need equipment and equipping, work towards the implementation of programs like, for instance, introducing God. You want to talk to other people about the Lord, but you don't know how. Introducing God is a wonderful tool. Evangelism explosion is another beautiful tool. Or Christianity explained. Do you know how to talk to other people about the Lord? Perhaps you don't. Well, then it's time that we equip one another to do that. Reaching out into this world, put strategies in place to reach out to people. Like, for instance, could we get information from the welcoming group? When we arrived in Kerrang, not long after that, a week or so after that, we got a huge thick pack of information from the the, uh, council. I don't know, there's probably a group doing that. And, and they told us everything about the schools and everything about the doctors and everything about the library and everything about everything in town. And it helped us just to sort of settle in. What if we can perhaps work with these people and say, well, if you tell them about the pharmacies and you tell them about the library and all these, tell them about our church too. Get the information there. Maybe print something up that goes into that envelope. What about letterbox drops, hotel or a motel introduction flyers? Sometimes you go into a motel or hotel and they've got all sorts of activities around them and you read where people can go to church. 
Have you been in places where you can actually read that up? Well, people might just need that. They need the information. We need people to go there and every now and then put them flyers in. We need to reach out to people on the street with suitable tracts and printed material approved by the session. We've got these things. We've tried Marabit Markets last time, and it worked very well. We need to be here. We need to be seen as a force that we believe can work. But I've got the impression that we, I'm not so sure what we do and how we can be in this, in this uh, how we can have an impact in, in the environment. Uh, those who are living outside of the church wouldn't even think much of the church. We need to be there. We need to reach out to people in our immediate environment. Evangelism is usually aimed at people who had some sort of church connection in the past. And you know of thousands of people with that. Just need that, that, that uh, basic thing um, to, once again, get involved. Out of, I think it was 19 fields that someone did some research. Out of 19 fields, ask people who came to church after they'd never been to church, why did you come to church? What was the first thing people answered? Why did they come to church? Did they come to church because the building was okay? Did they come to church because they sang well? What was the first thing that people answered? How do you think? Let's just find out. They were invited. They were invited. And that's perhaps just what we need to do. Go out there, be visible without intimidating people, and uh, we can do that every now and then on a Saturday morning, going to town and give people just the invitation. Pat them on the shoulder and say, wouldn't it be good to see you in church tomorrow? We need to look at the use of our buildings. Utilize the existing infrastructure which could you be used as the basis from which we do things here. We've got, we've got things out there that at this stage we don't use them. They are marvelous gifts from God. We need to start work out how are we going to use that and utilize that. We have to have evangelistic events, like arrange maybe in, in cooperation with the other uh, uh, evangelical churches in town from time to time an, an evangelistic outreach event, which need to be followed up with teams. We need to be salt and light in the world. We need to keep an eye on the press and the media. Every now and then you read something in the paper that you don't like. Well, not every now and then, about every day, isn't it? You read something that you don't like. Why don't you write a letter back to the editor? That's how we have an impact on what's going on in this world around us. Or you might ring someone else that you know who would like to write a letter. Ring that. Have a strategy. Do that. Prepare then uh, also... Uh, articles that might go in the pew sheet that we have every now and then as to what's going on around us. Now we look at the bigger circle, and I'm not going to be as elaborate on that. The bigger circle is that of mission. Now we're moving as a, a church that really cares for one another, church that loves one, loves one another, church that builds one another and up in faith. 
we go a bit wider, we go to the evangelism, where we say we look at this world around us, immediate world, but there's also the bigger world, the bigger picture of mission. And we, we need to become a mission church. We need to understand, each and every one of us, that we as a church of the Lord Jesus Christ are bound by the Great Commission. And we need to understand what that is about. We have to create mission awareness within the congregation to make it possible for members to respond to the call. And maybe, wouldn't it be wonderful if someone in this church eventually says, I got a call, God has worked in my heart, I'm going. Think about that. I want to stir you in the Lord to say, yes, you might be going. A little church just north of, uh, of Dolby in uh, Queensland, they'd never been more than between, well, maybe 50 to 60 members. It's about the size of this church. You know how many missionaries they send out? Over here's about a 30. The whole Ben family come from that, you know, Robert Ben and Shirley Ben and all the Bens, they went out and, 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 and they still at the moment have people in the mission field that they support. You know, that's when we understand that we need to be healthy in the nucleus, that we can do it here, and therefore we've got a vision on the world. Now, I've got here in my hand what's called Mission Partners Directory. These are the people uh, approved by our church working under the Australian Presbyterian World Mission. Can I just give you, can you see how thick that is? Huh? They are the names of everyone and their families and where they work. Sometimes they can't tell where they work because it's too dangerous. We know exactly where they work. You know what? These people need our prayers. You want to take a name and say, well, that's, my, that, that's the person I'll pray for? Might be a wonderful idea if maybe once a year you send a card to this person or a little letter and say, I want to encourage you in your work, don't give up. Or tell us more about what you're doing so we can pray for it in church. And you can put up all sorts of things. They're working together under the leadership of, of this elder for session, uh, for, for, for mission. We, we, we need to know when the mission mail come in. Uh, come in. It's, it's an enormous amount of mail comes in. And, and we'd like to pass it on to someone and say, will you read through it and tell us more about what's going on there so we can pray for it? Or is that something we can support or not? Information you need to, uh, to have, we need to have. You might need to know of someone to invite missionaries to the congregation and arrange at least one big missionary event per year in our church. I went to Mittagong the other day, Hala and I, we went there. Congregation, I told you, 12 members. Well, well they're actually more, 12 active members. They've got one week every year that they just, uh, one month every year that they concentrate on missionary work and they've got at least four missionaries coming to tell about their work in different areas. Uh, we need to do this. We need to sort of get our, our, our view on the wide world out there. So uh, these are the things that I think. And maybe you just say, oh, well, 
once again a lot of information, but it doesn't help. If it doesn't help, could you could you please ring me, and we can discuss where 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 we can do it better. But so I think let's sum it up. Under the leadership of an elder, a smaller group that would concentrate on practical Christianity within this congregation. Then also under the leadership of another elder, how we reach out to the world in our immediate environment. Let's say Krang, and you can also talk about Swan Hill. And then let's have under the leadership of another elder, um, a mission, uh, our, our, our eyes fixed on missionary work and how we can help in the mission field. I just showed to our friends visiting us from, from Sydney last night. There's a church in, uh, in, in New South Wales who make it their business to once, in a, one, once or twice, maybe once every second month, they send us information about their church and also uh, a letter to say, we pray for you in your PIM mission work. You know what that means for us? Can you just imagine if you, if you wrote a letter to someone out there who's just lost his house or maybe can't go anywhere because the roads were washed away up in Pakistan or in India, a missionary, and he gets a letter from someone in Kerrang and says, I've heard about what's going on. I am praying for you and your family. Tell us more about your work. You imagine how that changes the mind of someone there. So let's think of it. Let's get together. Let's put shoulder to the wheel. Let's work together. Let's see if we can do more as a team. I'm not going to do it. The elders are not going to do it. They're going to give leadership. You put up your hand and say, here am I. I'll do something. Would you? Thank you. Let us pray. Father, we pray that we will never lack the zeal, but that we will keep our spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. That with joyful hope, we will be faithful in prayer, even in time of affliction. That we will understand that we belong to one another and that we will share with one another. Yes, Lord, teach us also to be in our own eye less than anyone else. That we will be devoted to one another in brotherly love And that we will rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Teach us to live in harmony with one another and never be proud, but that we will be willing to associate with people of low position, even those who have now lost hope in life, in people, in themselves people who just need that hand of fellowship and encouragement. Open our eyes, Lord, for the, for the greatness of the great command, the great commission, 
and teach us your will. Amen.